We're back with part three of the Zero Hour and our continuing look at the MCU's 2012's The Avengers. In our first two segments, we listened to music from the film, talked about the plot of the movie, and listened to some interviews with the cast. In this segment, we're going to listen to a few more interviews with the cast and talk about that famous shawarma scene at the end of the film. Of course, let's also not forget to mention our Stan Lee cameo, both his actual one and the one from the deleted scene that is simply amazing. So let's start off with hearing from two more of the Avengers, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow and Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye in this interview right here on The Zero Hour. I think it's pretty much the ultimate superhero movie. Marvel had already invested, obviously, in Iron Man and that story, and then, of course, they had Cap and Thor that they had already invested in. I mean, I think it's hard to ignore the fact that everybody just gets so pumped by Hulk. They just love that character so much, and I think it was very brave of them to try it out again and kind of hope that the audience would buy Ruffalo as that again, yet again, have a new a new actor cast, and they kind of went, they just went for it, like unapologetically, and it works so well. The end result of it was a lot different than the actual script. The script didn't actually change a whole lot, but the visual is in such, you know, It's way Joss's more coherent, I think, and, than we Yeah, it's a lot imagined. funnier than I anticipated. I knew there's some funny bits, and then I know Josh pretty well over the years, so I knew there's going to definitely have a good sense of humor to it and not take itself so seriously, but I mean, I was, I have never laughed so out loud at a movie so much as I did in this in, in many, many, many years. I like having a role that I can keep building layers on. I mean, once it gets to a point where the character is like, okay, what next can we expect? It's, and it's, you know, the question is sort of redundant, then I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want to go there. But I, as long as the character, I think, has... This character is awesome. Like, she's got such an incredibly rich backstory. For me, it's exciting to come back, but you know, it also requires that the fans are behind that character in a, in a way that they want. You know, that, I mean, that's kind of a, a fun and interesting and new way that Marvel has sort of um, pioneered is the idea that it's almost like fan choice. <laughs> You don't take it too seriously, but you, all the actors, don't get me wrong, have to play this. There's this conviction, otherwise then you don't care, you don't buy into it. But then also, on the other end of it, you know, Joss did a great job of just smoothing out the wrinkles of like all these really serious actors, um, when you look at it, really tremendous talent, having to do these like really kind of silly, ridiculous things in a fantasy world that, and then Joss, it was great about just adding quip and, and, and um, sense of humor and poking fun at itself as well. I'm just happy to not be like the damsel in distress and the love interest and you know, the widow's got no time for any of that child's play. Um, and uh, for me, it's just, you know, it's just about like getting to the stunt gym and spending your entire spring and half a year, basically spring and summer, just like learning fight choreography. And luckily I, Got to do a lot of it with Jeremy, which was mm. which was great, and uh, which I think built a lot of the kind of backstory to our relationship on screen that you just kind of see and yeah. come together. What is the backstory here? I mean, it's the, obviously you guys have met before. Yeah, we worked together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't go into too much detail in our family. That's why it's backstory. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a history there. There's a history there. Yeah, yeah. It's I think it's pretty rich, um, which is which is pretty exciting for me. It's the only thing I had to had to hold on to in this movie. It was uh, this lovely gal. A handful. <laughs> a handful. A handful, really? It's a handful. A nice big one. Nice big and firm. 
sure about this? Yeah, it's going to be fun. Now let's have a listen to a great little talk between Robert Downey Jr. and Mark Ruffalo on what would happen in a fight between the Hulk and Iron Man, straight from Extras host Jerry Pinnacoli, right here on The Zero Hour. There is a very special relationship between Iron Man and the Hulk in this film. Yes. yes. Don't look at me like that. Well, I don't know. I'm just wondering. It's hard. I mean, we never know where you're going, going with what? this. Uh, it seemed to have. I don't look. Was there a double entendre? <laughs> no, no double entendre. Oh, but you man. have the best lines in the film, don't you think? I really? think. I th- yes, genius. Uh, hands lines. down, the best oh, yes. lines. In the oh film. Yeah, yeah, by far. Yeah. Well, that's contractual. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> if Iron Man and and Hulk had to butt heads physically, who would win? A Hulk would win, but I'd try to get him drunk first, so he was off his game. Because there's nothing like, it's pretty easy to beat up a drunk guy. Yes, especially a drunk Hulk. Maybe I could uh, put some armature in the suit that, that shoots Kahlua down your nostrils. You have three children. Yes. You have two children now. Yeah. How is the newest, the little boy? He's little. Exton Elias. Exton yeah. Elias. Right, yeah. Okay, great name. Indio is your other boy's name. It's true. Another great name. You've got kids with very unusual names as well. Keen, Bella Noche, and Odette. And yes. Odette. That's a lot of cool names. It's very eccentric. <laughs> yes. Now, it's <laughs> Mark and I are adopting a child. Oh, you are? Uh, yes. yes, and calling it uh, Bruce Stark. It's going to be great. Dern. Tony Banner. <laughs> Tony Banner sounds great. It does. I love that you broke that news on, on Extra. Thank you. I did break the news on uh, Extra. The best thing about a spot like that is not only does this camaraderie grow over the course of the MCU, but it's still there when Bruce returns to Earth in 2018's Avengers Infinity War. Now, one of the things I mentioned at the start of the segment was mentioning that famous Stanley cameo we always get. This movie, it took place at the very end of the film when the news agencies are showing interviews with people across New York after the events of the film, and Stanley can be seen turning around saying, Superheroes in New York? Give me a break. It's really quite humorous, as in the Marvel comic books, Almost all of the heroes are in New York. It's a nice tongue-in-cheek comment by the man who helped forge the Marvel Universe. What many don't know, however, is that he also had another cameo that was later removed from the film, but can be seen in the deleted scenes on the Blu-ray, Disney+, or on YouTube. It's a scene of Steve Rogers trying to adapt to life in 2012. This deleted scene shows him sitting at the cafe below Stark Tower, where he is waited on by the young waitress he later saves in the film. Stan Lee sits at a table nearby, and when the young woman walks away, he turns to Evans and says, Ask for her number, you moron. It's hilarious. In fact, have a listen to the scene, right here on The Zero Hour. Waiting on the big guy? Ma'am? Iron Man. A lot of people eat here just to see him fly by. Right. Maybe another time. Table's yours as long as you like. Nobody's waiting on it. Plus, we've got free wireless. Radio? As for her number, you moron. The entire set of deleted scenes is just over three minutes in total, but it really showed just how lost and sad Steve felt in this new world he really didn't know. As I've said before, sometimes I truly think the deleted scenes should have been left in, as they add so much more to the story. These ones in particular would have gone a long way to explain why Steve decided to go back in time and spend his final days with Peggy Carter at the end of Avengers Endgame. One other thing we've talked a lot about is whether or not Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is MCU canon or not. The show's first season picks up right after the events of this movie, 
And in the scene where we see Stanley's cameo during the news, we also see a cameo of an African-American man who is standing with an African-American woman. This is a man we would later see appear in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., portraying none other than Deathlock. So again, I leave with you the thought, is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. canon or not? So where would we be without hearing from the villain of the movie himself, Loki? Have a listen to Tom Hiddleston talking Loki at Disney's D23 Expo in 2012, right here on the Zero Hour. So tell us about your character Loki in the Avengers. Well, for anyone who understood who he was in the Thor movie, um, he is Thor's adopted brother, so he's from the same place as Thor. Except, um, <laughs> that's just a uh, poor guy, just my buddy messing with me. That guy. So I'm being interrupted by the Black Widow here. Um, because we misbehave. <laughs> So, would you like to explain who I am? I'm trying to explain who I am. You're a bad guy. Bad guy. Yeah. To the core. Rotten. Rotten Nobody to the core. likes you. <laughs> Nobody. You can say that. You like me for a bit. No, I, I like you as a human. There you go. I don't like yeah. you as your character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's I'm sort of ambiguous. Like. You kind of like me for a bit as well. As you a least, person? Yeah. No, as a character. I've remained Im- ambiguous the whole time about you as a person and as a character. Like to just be Triple gray. cross. Like to be see. sort of gray. Like spy. That's like just a spy. Yeah. How do you feel about your costume? Uh, it's 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 made of leather and metal and um, yeah yeah you know it's it's uh, shiny and gold. Do you, do, you get, do you get a little sweaty in that thing? I do you get a little sweaty? Yeah. It's kind of like swamp water <laughs> around here, the swamp the swamp water it's area. Just a pool. Yeah, it's pool in yeah. the cavity of your chest. <laughs> you heard it here first. So going up against all these Avengers, how are you? That's okay. How are you going to take Loki to the next level as a villain? So so d- definitively he is more menacing, like. Um, if, if the Thor movie was about him discovering who he is, in, in the Avengers he knows exactly who he is. He's more self-possessed, he's more self-aware, and um, he's enjoying himself a lot more. Um, and the idea is he's still motivated by this kind of tragic jealousy, um, kind of spiritual desolation of not belonging anywhere in the universe, but um, he doesn't really care what his family thinks anymore, and he's come to turn the planet, this planet, planet Earth, into his own personal kingdom and rule the human race as their king. And like all completely deluded autocrats, he, um, he thinks that'll give him self-respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The brothers, the brothers come up in arms um, a couple of times in this one. I mean, it's just such a pleasure. Like, it's such a pleasure to continue a relationship with the same character, but it's also a pleasure for us to keep acting together. Like, Thor is, oh, bless you for saying that. But um, it, Thor is, a, you know, it was just huge. It was my first film in America. It was um, my first experience of actually shooting in Los Angeles. Um, so I fell in love with the town and my little place in Venice and running along the beach and stuff. And, and also I made friends for life, you know. Um, both Chris and I had never done anything at this size before. And so doing, like, it felt like we were kind of running off this cliff at the same time. Um, you know, like holding hands and going, what's going to happen now? You know, it was, so that it's, it will be unforgettable, I think. And, um, you know, hopefully there'll be many more movies which will be unforgettable for different reasons, but Thor was the first one. What did you enjoy most about this film? Well, I'm still in the middle of it. Um, but uh, I think the thing that I enjoyed most is, is an, the opportunity to work with um, every single actor who's playing every single Avenger. So Loki gets to go toe-to-toe, one-on-one, 
mano a mano with every single Avengers. So there are scenes where it's Loki versus Iron Man, Loki versus Captain America, Loki versus Black Widow, and there's an actor. That meant I had the privilege of working with Robert Downey Jr. for three days, Scarlett Johansson for three days, Jeremy Renner for three days. You know, like they had these play these great scenes with great actors. I seem to remember something about what was it now? Oh right, shawarma. At the end of the movie, the very last scene shows the Avengers sitting around after the Battle of New York eating shawarma. Well, how did that scene come about? It was really interesting. Have a listen to Kevin Feige explaining how they decided to film this final shot as the movie was premiering on the red carpet right here on the Zero Hour. Tony Stark says, I want some shawarma. You ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it. After the end battles, the way he's he's letting off steam, they say, no, we got more stuff to do. We're not finished yet. And you cut back to Tony, very seriously considers the, the hard work they have ahead of them, and then says... And then swarm after. This idea to have all the characters together for one last shot, sitting at a table in battle-weary New York City, eating shawarma, came about about eight weeks ago. The movie was done. All the actors were spread to all the corners of the globe. When will they ever be together again? We looked at the schedule. We said, well, they'll be together the day after the premiere. Could we actually shoot it then and get it on the movie? I don't know that there's ever been photography this close to the release of the movie. The premiere was last night. Press junk, it was today. And not to keep you guessing, but we're actually not done shooting. We are shooting one more scene tonight. And we are at the corner of uh, near Pico and, and Doheny uh, in a shawarma restaurant with all the Avengers in costume filming one more shot. This movie was integral to the future of the MCU, and it showed that it was actually possible to do what Marvel was doing. It's funny how, at the time, once Marvel had shown the success of a cinematic universe, every other movie studio tried to duplicate this success and do their own cinematic universes, none of which have ever been even remotely as successful as Marvel has, at least not in pure cinema. Let's listen to one more interview, this time with Robert and Mark on being Iron Man and the Hulk, right here on the Zero Hour. So, so Mark, how do you like your first run as a superhero? Did Robert here give you any advice? He gave me the part, <laughs> and then he gave me a lot of advice. Did I? You did. What did I say? You said, Mark, be good. Right. <laughs> That's two words. And I you said, call that advice? And I said, um, but we don't want to ruin continuity. Oh. <laughs> but don't you think it's a little unfair that, um, you know, while this guy has all the suits and all these super gadgets, and you just get angry and naked. Yeah, How did that I, I don't think it's I don't think it's fair. <laughs> but People love Bruce Banner and the Hulk in this movie. It's some of the real most joyous moments of the film. Some but of the real most joyous. Try saying that three times fast. Well, joyous. yeah, I understand. I, I think they are fearless leader here. Hands down, the greatest actor of my generation. But you know, You're it still didn't resolve the, the greatest mystery where, you know, how did Hulk, how does Hulk keep its pants on? I guess, do you have an that's answer big, for me now? I mean, big, how I does don't. that work? You don't? <laughs> we've, been, we've been bandying this about all day today. How does, with a belt? You'd they want to know why Hulk's pants aren't on. Well, maybe Tony Stark developed a pair of pants for him that are... Uh, stretchy pants. Nano pants. Stretchy nano... Stretchy pants. 
I okay. want to. Don't you think that? Hulk Did you like the movie? <laughs> Did you like the movie? It's very fun, it. but you see, I have one minute, so I got to ask something very serious. Yes, please. Now, you know, first of all, do you guys grow up, you know, reading comic books, and do you think? That superheroes still has the ability to influence children these days. Did you read comic books? I did. Yeah, uh, we both did, and of course, and uh, of course they do. You know, um, it's it's a it's a phase in in every kid's development. You know, some folks the phase happens in their forties. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Join me on the next episode of The Zero Hour as we continue our trip through the MCU with our look at the start of Marvel's Phase 2, Iron Man 3. Don't forget to check us out on superlativeradio.com where you can listen to our other great shows, The Country Goldmine and Vinyl on Chrome, both hosted by Dylan Stone and both available like The Zero Hour on your favorite podcast hosting platform such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Spreaker, iHeart, and many more. Now make sure that you head over to our merch store on our website's shop tab where you can pick up some great Zero Hour merchandise or Superlative Radio merchandise. Get a shirt, mug, hat, bag, whatever. There's so much more. If you have any questions or comments, send them along to me at thezerohournb at gmail.com. That's thezerohournb at gmail.com and our website, superlativeradio.com. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook where you can like and comment on our shows directly. See you all next time for more Iron Man shellheads right here on The Zero Hour.